0: This is the Where You At Buds podcast, where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Stephen, Evelyn, and Marcus.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll do the, uh, I'll interview the interviewers. (laughs) Yeah. So, you you guys uh, like stuff? (laughs) Can I I get you a beer? I like stuff, yes. Okay. I mean, sure, whatever, if you guys are having. What do you like? Um I probably a light something right like lightish. Okay, so I'm a, I do like pilsners these days, but I'll take
2: like whatever like you got. On the
1: pilsners. Colchy Pilsnery. Pilsnery. You just heard it. You said it. Colch Colchy.
3: Colchy Pilsnery. Pilsner. Yeah. 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 Okay, See, the, so this is my guy.
2: Okay, so this beer I ain't is it are we recording? To okay, so this beer, obviously Predator, right? Reference. Obviously. Jesse Ventura. So this literally just came off the assembly line today. They canned it today. When I went to Ben's to get this beer. He hadn't, he was just cracking one for himself.
1: Back country, so, and
2: I was like, we got an actor coming on. Give me the, I ain't got time to bleed beer. And so Former
1: badass governor, right? Jesse Ventura. Can you believe Does a guy cop- cop- like that, 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 that was, was a, Democrat? a Democrat? He was, right?
2: Would you like a glass? That's when the Democrats oh, were badass. <laughs> I, <That's what>
1: <laughs> right? I ain't got bad-ass. time to bleed. I got time to bleed. That's when
3: Democrats are badass. <laughs> that's when Democrats were badass. Jesse's body then drew. Did you, uh, Democrats was used to do opening with, with the vengeance
1: body yeah, yeah, right there.
2: literally just canned. I think you're going to like this
1: time. It's a dry hop blogger. I think you're gonna like it. Actually, as an IPA pale actually, person.
2: you know what? That is really good.
1: It's got that signature backcountry sort of citrusy vibe to it. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm
2: down. I didn't bring any Croc beer, though. I forgot to ask for the Croc beer.
1: That's okay. That's okay. They keep making fun of my Crocs. Telling <laughs> you all the kids are wearing the Crocs they are footwear. yeah it's a thing the crocs are the thing I think it just they got so hideous they became cool yeah
0: and the thing is they keep going to croc stores and
1: like mm-hmm. look at this it's for, for you Marcus haha <laughs> 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 they making fun of me yeah. the fact that there's giant <laughs> croc stores says something right Jeez. I see these guys at the gym all the time they're working out in their crocs there's, these y- young guys in their crocs all the time I was like I don't think that's appropriate footwear see I'm ahead yes. of my time what the hell? I'm ahead I of don't my think time that's appropriate <laughs> footwear God. young man no, oh I don't God. think that's appropriate footwear young man <laughs> 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 that guy now. <laughs> yeah, I get to I get to do that now. Excuse me, young man. I'm a dad. I got dad jokes, <laughs> yeah. and I can throw around young man.
0: Dad jokes are <laughs> the best you're using that machine wrong stop
1: it yeah <laughs> why why you gotta throw 25 pound weights on the ground so hard is it too heavy for you maybe you should do the 15s if you can't handle 25s and you gotta throw them on the ground like they weigh 100 pounds
3: make yeah. sure
2: you take all those gym selfie mirror pics
3: you know how it goes i mean if, if there's not a gym selfie it never really actually happened
2: well yeah and but that you see the girls the selfies too where they like facing behind with like show how big their ass is now their booties so are they oh look how much i've worked on my booty and it's just you know like the position yeah. like one leg four. anyway whatever it's a it's it's, Come on.
1: it's thick with two C's
2: yeah, yeah like get the fuck yeah, I,
0: I, I get I go, you know you have video vortex on social media and it's just one girl squatting after another I'm like I need to change my algorithm this is <laughs> weird
1: <laughs> right also nobody poses nobody stands like that no, that pose is exactly. so that pose looks uncomfortable yes it looks and it's how,
2: how much, Like, how many times did you have to like retake it and retake yeah. it? like how long did that take to get that right well we know how many know, times to... it takes
3: you to take a selfie well, here exactly. at the end of the show exactly
2: yeah. I imagine I, I was trying imagine. to get my ass looking perfect get
1: what's the, what's well, the best angle for yeah. a selfie up high down low to, do you have a side that you prefer D- up high the side up high sure. but you have a, do, you have a, do you have a side that you prefer uh, yes, I,
0: you yeah. yes you do yes you do no I don't
1: think yes, so yes you do <laughs> yes she does we're
2: taking it again guys Okay, I'm, yes. gonna, Let I'm,
1: guess you. You. I'm on the right I'm on the right <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna creep your Instagram and yeah. uh, and see like for sure you I you definitely have a side for sure you have a side yes everybody's got well it. she
0: knows she knows that she's mar- in marketing so she knows how it works when you take a selfie like your nose can't be past your face it has to be in front of your face you have to do a certain angle upwards and taking a shot downwards with a certain like she she knows what yeah. she's doing now why the especially upwards? with
2: this like Italian nose please is it the look
0: nose look. is that why the upwards though like for for me? is it it's the a, lack of nostril you, it, no it gives you more of a slimming face and when you're upwards you don't look as domineering. I don't know about that. I'm
3: a a down, I'm a down and left guy. Hey, you're the actor. Why don't we ask you? Is this a thing where there
1: somebody has a side? Like you have Tom Hanks does this great bit on the Graham Norton show, and and that proves a good side and a bad side. It's great. You should look it up. But so I did a movie with Steven Seagal. I'm going to get in trouble for this, but fuck it. So Seagal has a he's got a double Chris who's awesome. He's fantastic. Chris does all the heavy lifting. Does all the hard work really. And then Seagal comes in. And they put the cameras up on what are called quick decks really and he'd shoot from way up down and it's just here and no profiles and very it's very specific camera angles for him. And that's when I first started seeing this like, what's this up angle? And they said it's a slimming thing, because yeah. he's a big he's a big man, he's not a young man, he's a he's a big man. He's chunky. He's a he's a lot bigger than he used to be. Um he's and tall too, right? He's yeah, he's tall, like big, big he's yeah. he's just all around, he's a, like a silverback. He's a he's a big, big dude and uh, he is something else man but yeah he comes he sort of strolls in and he's got his cue cards and the girl stands behind you with her cue cards and he just reads them off them and and shoots the things and he says really weird stuff when he rolls into the set and you're just like
2: (laughs) everyone just knows okay
1: "Okay." yeah like (laughs) who tied my shoes they're tied at to the top and loose on the bottom exactly the opposite of how I like them or whatever and you're just like <laughs> presumably you tied your shoes <laughs> I would no is that not I, is that not that? a thing
3: he, yeah. the actors when you get that big you don't have to tie shoes anymore is that like,
1: well he's he's a particular he's a particular case Like can reach shoes I will say this I think I think everybody in the film industry will back me up on this it, whatever stories you've heard about Steven Seagal no matter how insane they sound they are probably true Well, grounded in some truth? Yeah. Or, like, true? I mean, man, I've been there for a few of them, and it's like, if I wasn't there, I wouldn't believe you. Right. Right. Like, I can't say some of the things... Oh yeah, mm. some of the conversations him and I had, I am like, I can't, I can't tell you these conversations. Oh, this is like, a safe get, place; you can totally tell. You've all heard the rumors about about the man. He's a he's a character for sure. But yeah, that's the first time I saw that up angle being used. And when when I was like, why why that angle? And yeah. then and then fast forward to the age of selfies and uh, yeah. Turns out Seagal had He, he, was he knew what was up <laughs> Hell
3: if it works for Stephen Seagal It's going to work for Stephen Fryer That's okay. right And right? I'm, I'm going to try this That's right but Now yeah. I'm good hey, Now everything you see Is not going to be
2: down Okay the left you know much. what Do you know what old people do They take selfies Looking down to the left That's Because they're they still they trying to
0: figure out How their phones work yeah. how, is that? how am I taking oh, a picture Oh so wait trying, Oh there we go It's so like
2: your mom Trying to FaceTime
0: you <laughs> <laughs> So throw in the intro No this is You get to throw
3: the intro This is all on you I hate it when you guys fight It's him Well, welcome to the Where You At Buzz podcast, bringing on, geez, like, I don't even, I don't want to (laughs) downplay. I mean, seriously, I've got pages and pages and pages of your work, Mr. Ryan Robbins. Like, seriously, I don't want to downplay what he's done because there's, I mean, you're living the dream. Yeah, pretty lucky. So today on the Where You At, Bud's podcast, we have uh, actor Mr. Ryan Robbins in the house with us today.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here. And you just ripped your clothes. <laughs> did, <laughs> you, um, did you just rip your clothes? I don't know if you guys heard that, it's but early. She, she just literally Way too early to be ripping I your I was clothes like, off. Rip your shirt. Serious serious I, was like, <gasps> I, I
2: literally that's first for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was an innocent little <laughs> rip. It was, right? it was an adju- it was an adjustment gone wrong, let's be honest.
3: <laughs> well, Ryan, thanks for joining us today and the yeah. old uh, the old plot chat. Thanks super for coming on. Oh, this this is great. Welcome. I'm super happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And our wonderful sponsors at Backcountry Brewing.
0: <laughs> yes, Backcountry Brewing's awesome. They actually we talked about new beer that they gave us for this particular show. Absolutely. Just canned, just cracked, fresh off the
3: press. Like literally, fresh yeah. off the press. This
2: morning. They canned it this morning.
3: Like, I ain't got time ha- to bleed.
0: He hadn't even cracked
2: one yet. Like, I hadn't I even cracked it. one. It's
0: so good. you're, you're very familiar with action films right I am you've done a lot do you do like because you, you were talking about Steven Seagal so were you actually doing the physical stuff with Steven Seagal are you like they don't have a stunt double for you or
1: um, I am not ever going to be the actor that says I don't have a stunt that I do all my own stunts I I, I don't like when people say that. it drives me nuts because it's just not true like you, you can do a lot of your own action but there's there's a stunt performer that rehearsed that for you, that choreographed that for you, that planned it out for you. There's stunt guys on your wire rigging that are helping you not die. There, there are so The stunt crews are, are so pivotal and so important. I'll do as much as they let me. I like to do as much, much of my own stunts as I can. Um, I love doing the fight stuff. I'm getting older, so I don't like to hit the ground as much as I used to. With the Seagal show, that was a whole other try to make the story short i was working with my stunt double and i was showing him this like wrestling move that because I, I used to wrestle i used to be a fighter so I, I was showing him this wrestling move i like and one of the producers came over and was like ah show me that move and i i, I showed him and and he's like well but then i'll just choke you and i said but that's the point of the move because then i now when i take you down i'm inside control now it's a whole mma situation and i'm a big martial arts movie buff and it turns out this producer was a, a former stunt legend. He was a legend. And, uh, and uh, I f- wish I found out later and I was in awe that I'd had this, this moment with him. So the next day I'm working with Seagal and we spent hours rehearsing this fight scene where I'm just basically getting my ass handed to me. I'm there. All these guys are beating on me and Seagal and I were, we played friends in the movie and he's supposed to come in and, do his thing and you know twist his wrist and people flip seven times and, and uh and then one pinky. but this weird thing had happened where you know he's a bit notorious for hurting his uh fight partners and uh there were a couple of actors previously who just had refused to do the fight scenes with him because people have gotten hurt fighting Seagal and uh Seagal came in and him, him and I got off to a, a bit of a rough start and and we had a bit of a conversation in a car once and he says uh he says oh. uh I hear you a fighter and I said oh yeah I like training and stuff he said no I hear you a good fighter uh, I mean I'm okay I don't, I don't. and then he just paused pause, pause. and first of all he's eating a, a tray of um, banana bread and he, he looks at me we're in a car just the two of us and he looks at me and he goes uh, you want some uh, bread or whatever the fuck this is <laughs> and I said oh, I'm, I'm good thanks we get, we get talking and he goes so uh, you think you might could kick my ass what this is exactly what he said. You think you might could kick my ass? And I was like, well, no, I mean, no, you're huge. Like, you're a big, no, probably not. I don't, I'm just not a, I'm not having this conversation. I'm not, I don't do pissing contests. I don't want to have this conversation. He that goes, that's right, son, because I still got it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I bet you do. You're fucking you're Steven Seagal. Like, I'm not, what do I to question that? So, you know now oh you cut to like the producers coming up to me afterwards going oh well, now you got your Steven Seagal story I was like what we heard everything and the sound guy had left all the audio up which I guess they <laughs> which I guess they do and I, I had said uh, I had said not uh I said not nice things to the man. I'll be honest. I, I was not In particularly. Yeah, I was not uh, particularly kind. I kind of called him out on a couple of things. That's just between him and I. Wow. Of course, and the crew and the and the whole crew apparently because <laughs> everybody crew. could hear everything that's um, taped. That be nice I, I had my reasons. Anyway, uh, I I really did. I won't get into that. But for whatever reason. He took a liking to me, I guess, because I was just honest with him, I suppose. And then we get to this fight scene where I'm supposed to get my ass kicked. So after all this rehearsal, Seagal, he, he moseys in. He says, let me see the scene. He goes, nah. He goes, nah, that's not what's going to happen. He's like, Brian's a real fighter. He, he ain't one of these pussy actors. He's a real fighter. And then he, he looks at me he goes, are you a pussy actor? And I was like, what? No. What t- what? <laughs> and then he looks at the coordinator and he's like, is Ryan a pussy actor? Is he a fighter? And they're like, no, sir, he's a fighter. He can do it. He's like, yeah. So he re-choreographed the whole thing. The whole point of the movie is I've got, I'm like a train wreck with horrible PTSD. I'm a coward now and I got PTSD. I'm like losing my mind and he's helping me rediscover myself. That's the whole point of this thing. Well, he's decided now I'm just an ass kicker all of a sudden (laughs) out of nowhere and he doesn't even need to come rescue me. So I do this fight scene and I'm, and then we're not doubling me because I'm just supposed to get my ass kicked so now I'm just fighting all these stunt legends I'm having a blast and then he comes in at the last five minutes and flicks his wrist and people spin seven times and he kicks somebody in the nuts and he fell down and then that was it and <laughs> I looked great and it was didn't make sense at all but it was super fun and I had a great time and you know that stunt those stunt guys I've known for years and years and they're legends and we had an absolute blast it was so much fun so, yes, I do like to do my own stunts as well, much as
0: possible. It's just a roundabout question to get back to. Like you're settled here now in Squamish. I know you're originally from Victoria, but... I mean, I think your first foray maybe into Squamish in acting was Walking Tall, where you had a nice little fight scene with Johnny Knoxville, and I think that's probably why I was trying to get back to like, you know, was that the first time you experienced Squamish, and why you're settling here, and how is like fighting Johnny Knoxville of all people?
1: Yeah, so we did uh, we did Walking Tall here. Um, I, I had I believe I actually put on a, some weight for the movie to ask me to get in a bit more shape because I was like the one of the smaller guys on that show. I got to knock Dwayne the Rock. I got to knock him unconscious. And in the, in the scene, he's fighting all these guys and, and he's kicking everybody's butt. And then uh, I hit him with the butt of a gun and that so now that knocks him unconscious. So they cut it. So it looks like I hit him three times. We never shot it that way. They just, it's me. It's the same hit every time, but yeah. it, they tend to like make it look more believable. Um, I ended up in the hospital a couple times on that show. Me and Dwayne and then some guy, Brad Kelly, in this big fight scene by the end of it, we were all on the ground. Battered and broken, and it was amazing. But the the Knoxville scene you're talking about, my, the, my demise is Knoxville shoots me with a shotgun. So we're shooting this scene, and I'm wearing a t-shirt, which is really dangerous when they squib you with there. It's all explosives, right? Like it's gunpowder yeah. and and explosives tapes to you. So they mounted the shotgun blast, which is it's like a it's like the crest of a of a hockey jersey, basically about that size, on my chest, and they mounted it so it would blast downwards because I'm supposed to hold my gun. Forward in front of me, and I had a T-shirt on, so they didn't want me to get burned by the gunpowder. Well, they made a mistake, and they mounted it upside down. Oh my god! So when I sh- when the, the blast goes, it's shrapnel strapping my neck and all over my arm, oh. and there's blood. And and I remember I hit the bookcase behind me because it really threw me. And then I remembered, oh shit, I'm supposed to die. So I I kind of <laughs> hit I kind of hit the ground, and it's in the movie, and you see me just like I'm in so much shock, and it I'm like just. Acknowledging the pain now and then, my face just bounces off the off the floor because I, I was kind of still in shock. And Knoxville is looking at me and he goes, "Hey man, are you okay? You okay, man? You all right?" And I'm just, I'm like thinking, like I'm supposed to be dead. Like we we're not going to be able to do this again. Yeah, I'm probably like, going like, go to the hospital.
2: This is a good scene. Like like this is it. But
1: it's in the movie. <laughs> And I it's got great, and movie. it looks great, and it's actually that's in the that's actually in the movie. You can have after, but it works great because Knoxville's character presumably had never killed anybody before. And so he,
2: you can see in the movie where he's actually saying to you, "Yeah, like, we can actually say okay? where, where John's
1: actually okay? saying, "Like, hey, are you okay?" No are you, way, and that was are just are you totally okay? legit. And it's 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 it was Knoxville asking me if I was okay, and okay. he was on camera, and it, it looked and it wow. looked great in the movie. Man, we had so much fun in that movie. What a I time! Bet. That's yeah, that was my first real introduction to Squamish, and then. A few years later, I did a TV series here called The Guard, which was about the Coast Guard. You know, at that time, it was still the drunkest place I'd ever been. That was when we had the Grizz, uh, yeah. th- Thursday night fights at the Grizz. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was there for some of that. And then I was like, man, I like this place a lot.
2: You're like, <laughs> like, like, these are my people, man. It's, yeah, it's like, the, it's
1: like the Wild West. I'm, I'm down. And so then, uh, yeah, moved here just under a decade ago. And... Love it. I haven't looked back. Opened a motorcycle shop and I'm loving it here.
0: Well, how did you get into acting? Like born and raised in Victoria, was there always the acting bug or because you said you were singing and you're in a rock band and uh, because some actors, they they sing and they, and they do a lot of stuff and they kind of fall into it or was the acting bug always there?
1: Yeah, the acting bug was always there. I knew, I remember the day. I remember where I was. I was 12 years old. I was on a playground and I remember all the kids talking about what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I was like, oh, well, that's a cool idea. Oh, well, that's a cool idea. And I hadn't, I didn't know. And I thought, all oh, these ideas. Oh, astronaut, that sounds cool. Lawyer, yeah, that could be cool. And all these kids were talking about these really cool ideas. And and I always assumed I was going to join the military and be a first responder, be a firefighter. That's what my family, I come from a military family and first responders. And I just assumed that's what I was going to do. But then it dawned on me, I was like, man, if I become an actor, I can do all these jobs. Totally. And that was this epiphany as a 12-year-old that just never left me. And I became obsessed with it, but of course, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know how to do this, and so I went to acting school, went to theater school, did all the things, and I studied. I Took it really seriously. I went overseas. I was a when I as soon as I graduated, I graduated about seventeen. It saved up money and at 18 I left the country and I joined a circus. I became a circus performer. I did that and I had a martial arts background. Okay,
0: What what were you doing in the circus? You can't just gloss over that and say, I was in the circus and not tell me what you were
1: doing. So if you've seen Cirque du Soleil, there's often a plant in the audience. Uh, they're sort of a clown, but not really a clown. They're part of the circus. They can do a lot of things pretty well but they introduce you to the world the performers that are amazing are and they're kind of the fool I kind of was like that guy kind of started as like I could do a lot of things fairly well and then I was learning as I went so I had a stilts routine I had a a balance I could balance stuff on my face and um, I did a little trapeze a little trampoline and a lot of acrobatics really I just lied I lied I lied. I said I could do things I didn't know how to do. And then I That's I'm, part
2: of acting. There you go.
1: The whole fake until you make it? <laughs> Literally the story of my life. Sick. My entire life. To this day. I'm faking nope. this. I'm faking this right now. So that's like, yeah, so that's like resume runner. building one oh one. Yeah. All these stories are real, but my my anxiety is fake. Yeah, no. My lack of anxiety is fake. But yeah, man. So basically I was uh, uh I've been performing my whole life. I ended up in a band, my mom was a singer, I ended up in a band. When I, when I came back from the circus which was in Australia and I traveled to Vancouver a good friend of mine who I grew up with his name's Kamani Ray Smith who is stunt coordinator and director in town now does very well He's, he, and he deserves all the success in the world he said you should get into stunt work you've got a martial arts background and you got a circus background and it might be a good way to break into acting so I started I went to stunt school my first Stunt job was in Rumble in the Bronx. Where I got to do. Where do you go to school.
0: stunt school? Do you have to go to like L.A. for that? No, it was, like, it was in Vancouver. It was the crazy. It was the weirdest thing. It was
3: like Peter Kent's. School no, it was not rocks.
1: Kent's. It was not Kent's school. No, it was uh, who was Robin Webb was one of the guys. Mike Cristasio. Basically, it was like you know when you were on EI and you they're like look you, we we're going to pay for schooling for you and everybody decided to go to broadcast school like everybody was going to be hey, like don't not a, the broadcast Here we go don't knock we the go. broadcast school community I, was not college. College. I chose it god but but or it was Just like 19-03. or you were going to be a recording engineer right you, you could you could learn to be a recording engineer and and the government would pay for it well for for a hot minute they offered a stunt program wow that Hot minute that yeah I would pay for it. and I was like oh hell yes I want to do this. I got lit on fire I got to do car hits and high falls and ratchets and air rams oh and fly through there it was amazing adrenaline was a, I wonder if the paperwork you had to sign to do any of that you stuff. Say, I was like, I don't remember signing anything and then <laughs> and then they came in and and there was a few of us who worked really really hard and then uh, Mark Akestream uh, who's passed away now but he gave us a shot and said I'm doing this movie come. So I got to do some really easy stunt work on Rumble in the Bronx. And, and then I ended up having an accident and compressed my spine. And, and well, that's uh, that's quite the intro. I mean, you're doing stunt work on a Jackie
0: Chan yeah, movie. it was amazing. Really. It was so amazing. So and, I'm, I'm sure you learned a lot crazy. just watching Jackie, because Jackie is synonymous
1: with no stunt guy. He does his own stuff. Yeah. But I mean... He had, a broken, his, he had broken his ankle at the time that right. I'd got there. You know, the infamous ankle break. Uh, uh, then Jackie worked through it. And they built a rubber... Rubber shoe. Shoe yeah. for him. Um, But he was so kind. And so it it was he's a hero of mine. And they say, don't meet your heroes. Uh, Jackie Chan is the exception to the rule. Like he he was amazing. And I was so nervous. And I had to do this gag that's not in the movie. But the hovercraft is chasing us and it spins around and it blows me back. And I had to do a backflip into a crowd. Pretty standard. But at the time, I was like, this is such a huge deal for me. And I'm super nervous. We're doing the scene, and I'm running and I'm running, and then something's smacking me in the ass, and I'm like, "What the?" I turn around, and it's Jackie dressed up like an old lady in a shower cap and a <laughs> and a bathrobe <laughs> on his crutches, and he's chasing me in a crowd. And it's in a cr- big crowd scene, and he's chasing me, and he knows I'm nervous, and he's just so he's smacking me with his crutch. He's just whacking me in the ass with his crutch, just and I, to loosen me up. And so, sort oh of like, and then he's gone, and then it turns around, and I, I'm laughing. I do the backflip, and it. it it was, it was great. It's not in the movie, which is too bad, but it was such a great experience. And I remember we were teaching Jackie how to, he was really into hacky sack at the time and he wanted to put it in the movie and it was so cool, man. It was amazing. And then bizarrely, I, like I said, my mom was a singer. I ended up in a band. We toured for like six, seven years. We had we had a really good run. We did really well. I played music my whole life. I That's love it. What's the name of the band? Helen Keller. Can that, I
0: find that on Spotify now?
1: Uh, you go to 20room.com and you can download it all for free. It's very soundscapey. It's very post industrial. I don't know. hard to explain. It was fun. It was. It was a good time. We were kind of godfathered by Skinny Puppy, if you remember those guys. Oh yeah. Well, Skinny Puppy's Vancouver. That's right. Originally, yeah. yeah. So those guys took us under their wing, and that was that was a good time. And a filmmaker was a fan of a, my band and put me in a movie. I got an agent. And so when did you guys start getting speaking roles? Twenty something years ago. I've Been going since. What's well, funny because you look through
3: the resume. This reads like a, like a novel, yeah,
2: like 10 but pages it's a it stark
1: contrast to what you've just told us how you got your start. I didn't because get my, some of these things. That's not what this is. No, I didn't get my first paid acting gig till I was 26, which is pretty late for an actor. And I love working. I'm a blue collar kid. All I know is working hard. We didn't have any money growing up. So it was always hard. I started working. I started working at my family's garage when I was 13, like. I just know hard work. That's the work ethic I do everything with. So I just put one foot in front of the other. Every so often, I look up, I look around, going, okay, we're doing all right. And then I put my head back down and get back to work. And I guess I'm I'm what they call a character actor or a journeyman actor. Like, I have lofty goals to be an A-lister and to be a. Because those guys get stuck in this one character they're always playing. Right? Pigeonholed, right? Yeah. And I get to play everybody. Like, I, I play from crack addicts to cops to yeah. astronauts. It's amazing. I played astronauts. I've oh, yeah. uh, I did uh, Charles Manson I played Charles Manson yeah Wow. I was doing a TV series where uh, a sci-fi series called Sanctuary which I love which always mean a lot to me I was playing a werewolf so I was you know like I basically look naked every episode on that thing on my hiatus from playing a werewolf on a sci-fi show I flew across the country to play Charles Manson in a movie and I had to abruptly lose a lot of weight because he was such a small guy I mean, you're looking at me. I'm 170 pounds. I I was 130, maybe 125, 130 pounds. I was starving myself to. Oh my god! And I had him in my head all the time. It was that was crazy. That was the moment I realized my process probably isn't very healthy.
3: Well, and that's a question I wanted to ask because they talk about actors
1: diving into the roles. Speak to that a little bit. The
0: method acting, if that's your thing, your method acting, or
1: if you're just there's a time and a place, I believe, for method acting. You know, there's um, it can come across very. Self-indulgent, very look at me. Uh, I'm not going to list any actors because, again, I like my job. Well, a lot of big popular ones do it, right? Yeah, and some of them do it very well. Daniel Day-Lewis probably is the most renowned, for yeah. sure. And others, it can come across a little performative, a little bit like, look what I can do. I and mean, it's a bit, there isn't a lot of truth behind it, I don't okay, think. Okay, so
2: tell me what like, exactly what that means.
1: So Stanislavski, because the guy taught the method, and a lot of old school guys, like Brando was big on the method, and in uh, James Dean and stuff. So it's basically, you're just so in it you're sort of becoming that character. You're that's making right. choices of the character and you don't break character. You stay in character. So you encompass
2: that all the time. Whether the
1: cameras are rolling or not, gotcha. you're kind of in that zone. But you get beautiful moments like Brando on the waterfront when she drops her glove and then he sort of picks it up and he's got these big mitts and he's just trying to put this dainty little glove on his hand. It's because he's in the zone and he just, he's just going with it. And right. she is too. And so she's just going with that moment. It's an unscripted moment that that's beautiful. It's this beautiful moment. With manson I went pretty deep I went pretty dark and I really wanted to do a good job and but it got me man it got me a little bit and I remember when we were done I couldn't shake him and it was the 40th the movie came out it was the 40th anniversary of the of the murders and uh John waters um, the great legendary John waters had come out and just crapped all over he just was not happy because he was friends with Sharon Tate and he was not happy with me. He was not happy with the movie. He hadn't seen it, but he just wasn't happy that it was being made. And, and that just Why, caused... Cause it was
2: glamorizing? It, well, that's what so he thought. Speak. It wasn't. Yeah. It, it didn't. It wasn't, it, but that's what he was... But there's been
1: many reincarnations of it, right? Yeah, but in his anger, and him speaking about the movie, ended up bringing a lot of attention to the movie, which then brought a lot of attention to me in the film festival circuit. And I said in an interview, when you're playing a character as despicable as they are, you can't judge that character. You have to...
0: Well, you're the hero in your own story.
1: Right. You have to look at that character objectively like, say, a therapist would. I wasn't playing that character with any judgment of Charles Manson. It's what I said in the interview. The article comes out. Ryan Robbins is a Manson sympathizer. He doesn't judge Charles Manson <laughs> oh for Oh, my what God. He did. What the hell just happened? Every interview from that point on, I had to have somebody with me. It was usually oh the, the director. God. Yeah, a PR person. I was yeah. being misquoted. I was being... I remember meeting Jeffrey Rush who was like he was like top of the food chain at that point and he just like calls me over where like, there's like we're in Toronto Film Festival was like Jeffrey Rush and Viggo Mortensen and all these heroes to me and Jeffrey Rush just calls me over out of nowhere and invites me to sit down he just looks me in the eye and he goes Manson hey eh? <laughs> and I was like yeah, and then we had a big long talk about it and everything. And he was amazing, gave me great advice. And afterwards, I couldn't shake him. And I just thought my oldest at that time was five, five four, mm. and I thought happiest place on earth. I need to take her to Disneyland. I don't know what that was. I just need to go where everybody where people are paid yeah. to be nice to me. Right, where people are just paid to smile all the time, <laughs> yeah. be happy all the time. And I yeah. did. I took my little girl to. That's how I broke out of Charles mess was Disneyland. Believe it or not. Wow that's yeah. a
2: place to do it for sure <laughs> yeah
1: can I tell you a really funny story about the the Manson movie of course. I course I had to shave my head for the movie because for all the courtroom stuff when he shaves his sorry and carves the <laughs> carves the cross in his head and all that the hair department said oh your your hair is because cur- it's curly so your hair uh, would make a great merkin I didn't know what a merkin was I, I said, Mer- Merkin? What is that? What is it Merkin? He's go to Merkin. It's like, we're doing a movie set in the 60s, and we've got people who are naked, women who are naked, but it, this was... <laughs> Not at a time where women where were going. throwing it out. Oh my god, like, what the hell is this? And so they're describing a Merkin, and I I went, a vagina toupee? It's <laughs> a v- why are you just called a vagina toupee? They're like, well, because it's that's not what it's called. It's called a Merkin. I was like, who, what who, the hell who the hell is Merkin? And how did they get the, the, the How did
3: he, he get the credit? He,
1: the vagina t- So so anyway, so a Merkin is a vagina toupee. So, why would anybody want that? Because it's in it's gotta be uh cubes. You know, it, it's, it's gotta be you know, like time correct. It's got to be correct for, oh, the, like for, for, the, the, period, for the movies. Right? They're yeah.
0: basically oh, telling you you have so, pubes for hair. Yeah, that's awesome. So we oh had, oh my yes. god, yeah, the, hey pubhead,
1: <laughs> hey, hey pube head. can we borrow this and make markets? <laughs> can
2: we make some <laughs> vagina? So, oh my god. so because we had, we had you readjust uh, this hat, <laughs> yeah, let's see, let's see that. <laughs> this is Oh yeah, there we go. So
1: they they had these dancing girls who were naked and they were normally shorn differently than that. I don't, they hadn't grown it up. So, you can say the word. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I'm doing a scene where I'm tied to a cross and up elevated, tied to a cross, wearing nothing but a loincloth. And the wardrobe department keeps pulling the loincloth lower and lower. And I'm like, listen, lady, you pull that any lower, you're just not going to need the loincloth. Like, what are we doing here? And the girls are dancing and they're all kind of like, well, they're head level to my waist <laughs> you know like yeah so this one very buxom eastern european woman comes dancing over because they're playing music between takes just keep everybody in the mood i'm strapped into like i can't move i'm i'm on a cross like like jesus and and she comes dancing over and no word of a lie she looks at, and i'm looking down at her and she comes very close and she goes oh
2: hello I'm wearing her hair On my vagina oh. <laughs> no.
3: I bet it's literally
2: The first time You've ever heard that and, <laughs> yeah, First and last I've never heard first, it since I was
3: gonna say First and last First and last First and last, first and, last. and
2: then And, oh and then She proceeds
1: to Dance away To show me <laughs> And I was like
2: Yeah that's That's me There I am <laughs>
3: There I am <laughs> excellent stuff yeah oh
2: my god the <laughs> behind the scenes of, oh the, my god. of the film industry and we learned a new word today merkin yeah Yeah.
1: so now now, like me uh, you will never forget what a merkin is
2: right
0: it's like every time I hear merkin I'll see your face that's awesome
1: yeah great <laughs> <laughs> now you're never going to not call me pupit
2: <laughs> everybody uh, in Squamish will
1: uh, be like hey pupit uh, it's part of the lexicon listen, now I'm sorry
2: it's pretty cool that you're <laughs> you, can, you,
0: know. well, you were talking about how you didn't have the aspirations to be like an A-lister and and like, you know, being a journeyman actor and, you know, people would snide at that saying, well, you're I don't know your name. You're not on the the marquee. Yeah. Right. But I mean, to be able to do what you're doing and to regularly act and get regularly called and then actually work as an actor full-time the way you do is quite an accomplishment in this industry. Totally. Yeah. So, and, and you've done numerous projects across the board. I mean, we, we just got a little taste <laughs> of your Merkin story. But I mean, I mean, is there is there anything you have not done that you still want to do? Is there people you've met that, like, you're still on your bucket list you want to meet? I, I know you have heroes. You've met some of your heroes, but what's left?
1: Everything's left. There's so much to do. I I love this industry. I love it so much. Uh, I don't want to retire. I, I always say, like, I want to be you know 99 years old and that's a show wrap on ryan robbins and if i drop dead right there i'm happy like i don't want to stop doing this i love it there's lots of stuff i still want to do like i'm getting older now so like you know my my marvel comic character aspirations are dwindling and that that kind of stuff there's just but there's just there's loads of stuff i mean i want to do i want to do like a my sort of crazy heart i would like to do that i'd like to do yeah, I just want to keep going, man. I, I don't know. I do a lot. I still do a lot of action movies, but I'm sure that you know that window's closing. Uh, eventually, I'm pretty banged up, you know.
3: In- but I mean, there's there's always you're you're in the right place for these Hallmark movies. You're just, it's right down <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, pretty fair. soon, pretty soon we're going to have the romance, the holiday romance coming. <laughs> I don't like, know.
1: Hallmark ain't looking for
3: pube heads. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not yet, but maybe.
3: Hey, we creative ether here. This is what we call this place, okay? Oh, we'll get you we, that We've built a lot of stuff to happen around here, okay? I've got connections. I've we, got connections. Yeah, we, the, the, right now it's happening. Your agent's going to start getting rung by Hallmark all over the place. Not going to happen. I heard
1: okay. Ryan <laughs> Robbins wants to do
2: a Hallmark movie. Yeah, I heard that it's,
1: too. Uh, it's been on the table before. But I'm just not quite ready.
2: So I have a question. Okay, so I obviously saw that you were in Riverdale, Mm. um, and you were cast as a like a pretty like you were as a you know lead character. You were um, Fred Andrews' brother, right? Mm -hmm. So which is Luke Perry. Who did you ever work with, Luke, or were you brought in after?
1: No, I did. I've worked with Luke a a bunch. I've known Luke since um, a TV series we did called Jeremiah. Luke was he's lovely, and and you know the, the the bizarre thing is. Luke and I used to joke about how we would look related you'd from look, the eyebrows up.
2: You totally, you guys like you would look <laughs> yeah, amazing, giant, for giant, sure. giant,
1: wrinkly five heads. Five heads. So, and Luke used to produce these westerns, and because uh, you know I can ride horses, and I've done a lot of westerns, and I can play with guns, and so Luke would always cast me in these in these movies, and we had a blast. And he was he's exactly like you've heard. He's he's one of a kind. He's a, he was an exceptional human. No airs about him. Very kind. Very sincere. Mm-hmm. Very genuine when he passed it was like it hit the community really hard and then they asked me about this role to play his brother and i was like oh man i don't know that's i mean heavy right and the more i thought about it the more i thought shit i don't want anybody else to do it like yeah. I, I don't i don't want anybody else to do this i want this and, and and it wasn't a lock for me early on i at one point i thought i didn't have it and so i took this movie and then they came back they're like actually we're just kidding we we like you to have it and uh I had and the movie was amazing. They're like, no, you got to do this. We're gonna we'll let you out of the contract, and you just need to go do this. And wow. and I still, it's my day job to this day. I was just there a couple of days ago, and uh, I love it there. They're great. KJ, uh, who plays Archie, mm-hmm. is a stellar human. He's an exceptional, exceptional young man. And uh, I I have, a, I have a wonderful time there, and it's, it's, it's a been great. great. Show. Yeah, you know, when I first got there this is going to sound like a bullshit story, but I first got there somebody said, "Well, you got some big shoes to fill?" And without thinking, my response was, "Well, thank God I brought my own, because I would never try to." Mm-hmm. And they wrote the character really clever. They wrote the character so that he, he was nothing like Luke's character. He was a polar opposite. He,
2: right.
1: he was a troubled guy, he had a lot of anger issues, and so it was really fun to play.
2: They sort of, they wrote you in as kind of, it's like a tribute to him also. A tribute to his character and not so much to take over his role on the show, but more of like to to tribute. Yeah, it was to remind,
1: it's just to keep his memory alive. It was to keep, we we, we reference him constantly. There are pictures of Luke everywhere on that set and on our show it's it's pictures of Fred Andrew but for us it's all it's all pictures of Luke you know right. my the very first scene KJ and I shot together when our characters are, meet one another for the first time we're shooting the scene shooting the scene and I just happened to glance over and no one none of us had clocked it but there was this big portrait of Luke in between us and I, I whispered it over to the director to Gabe I was like did you see that And he's like oh man so we ended up doing this really cool special shot where you kind of see us connecting for the first time and then there between us is a picture of Luke just happened to be there. Just
2: happened to be there. Wow.
1: So any foray behind the camera then? Because you're seeing
0: shots, you notice how Steven Seagal shoots high, (laughs) he's doing all that sort of stuff, everything about, you know, moving on behind the camera and sort of being a dual threat or is that something... One
1: day. I I mean, right now, and I'm not trying to be politically correct, I'm not trying to say the right thing, I really truly believe this. My voice is not the voice we need right now in the director's chair. We don't need another... Middle-aged straight white guy telling stories. There's there's an there's enough of us, and there are enough guys like me with way better experience or way more qualified. So I don't need that shot yet. I have had that shot a few times here and there. I had my own show for a while called Pure. I was the lead of a show about the. Men it was on mom, the CBC, yeah. right? Yeah, really proud of that show. Some of the my proudest work I've ever done in the that whole cast and crew, top notch. Some of the best I've ever worked with. And there was a. The second unit stuff, drone footage and stuff that I got to help direct. And I loved it. And I got, definitely got the buck. I definitely enjoyed it, but it's not my time. And I'm kind of liking where we're at right now. I find it really interesting. I've been mean, playing a lot of bad guys, obviously, but that's my wheelhouse. anyway. Right. Is that fun? Is yeah. that fun being the bad guy? Yeah. Because you just have to be whatever you the want. The heel. You have to yeah. be the heel? Yeah. Like the that. heel. <laughs> and I do it. And I, and that's kind of my, uh, it's my bread and butter is playing that kind of off guy anyway. But it's like you said, bad guys are the heroes of their own story. Mm-hmm. You know, like, listen, we've learned that in life over the last two years. You know, we've been in a really divisive situation. We've, we, you know, we've all been divided. We've all lost touch with like family members and friends. And a lot of us have separated because we're all the hero of our own story. We all believe vehemently in what we believe in. And we all want to fight for what we believe in. And unfortunately... You know, what happens in real life is all that gets politicized and, and gets pulled away from us. And it just it just draws us away from each other further. Where in the film industry. You don't really have that. Right. So you get to, it all. At the end of the day, you realize you're all just playing pretend. So but that's that's real life behavior. You're absolutely right when you said that. That is 100 percent real life behavior. I don't think any bad person set out to be a bad. Like I don't think woke up and was like, I'm going to be an asshole. Stephen Fry okay, <laughs> Literally every day. He, he
3: works on his evil laugh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 maniacal
3: <laughs> Marcus works on Marcus works on his Facebook heel for sure. Hundred percent. That is Marcus that is an art.
2: You talk about art. This <laughs> is does. that is
3: he just like, he's a play. social media dick. He does it really good. Fire. Okay. The shit to server. We
2: love you though, Marcus. You you know, you do, you play a good bad guy. They think I pretend I don't like people. He just doesn't like people. He doesn't <laughs> like I don't think either. there's any pretending. I've known him long
1: enough. I know he doesn't. You know he doesn't like, like
2: most people. You, you should listen.
3: have that shirt. Oh, people, yeah. not a fan. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm with Like generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of people because I, th- I think we've made a mess of a lot of things, but. Mostly people are all right if you give them a chance. A lot of what you do, too, is art, right? I mean, mm-hmm.
3: we talk, we've talk. we had other guests on here. We talk about bridging the gaps here, whether it was with COVID or, or reconciliation or otherwise, and art and sports and music. And those kind of things help us bridge that gap instead of driving that wedge in the divide. Agreed. I really do agree.
1: I 100% agree with that. and and I And I think it's important. Like, I used to say, ah, oh, you know, we're not saving lives here. Like, why are we taking you know, this industry so seriously. And then somebody kind of corrected me and like, actually, you might be wrong because right now what people need is entertainment and distraction and joy and they need to. And also everyone needs to feel represented. Everybody does. And and I think that's what the industry is striving for. I think they're making a lot of mistakes and trying to get that because at the end of the day, it's a business. The business of this business is really tricky. It's really complicated. And I often hate it. It's it's about bottom line and bottom dollar at the end of the day. No, nothing is done without thinking, how can I gain financially, obviously. It's, also, it's a struggle. I, I
0: worked in the producer's office before. I did full-time broadcasting, but I did work for a little bit as an associate producer. And one of my jobs was to basically break down a script into money. I would get the script and I would break down, okay, this would cost this, this would cost this. And then we would cost it out above the line who gets this, below the line who gets that. And, and the producers will look at that and go, nah, we can do without this shot. And the director was pining for it for the whole entire time in every meeting. Like, I need this shot. I need this shot. It's on a crane here over there. And it's like, we don't need that shot. You can do that in two shot with like a, a tripod over there. You know, and it's like, oh, and the constant fighting. Yeah. Like, you know, trying to get your vision across. But it is a business. You need you need eyes to see it. It's, 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 a, it's tricky, man. It's tricky. I
1: cut my teeth in the indie film world. So where I was like, remortgaging my house to finance the movies that I wanted to make and you realize really quickly that you think like the big Hollywood machine you're like ah oh, screw those guys they've got all the money in the world but, but then you start making a movie and you realize like, oh my god this money all really matters like holy, holy shit like this is you know and, and it is it, the trick of being in, in Vancouver specifically being known as a service industry for, for film and television you get looked at as a service industry actor when I lived in LA even when I would work here I, I was looked at differently because you're, you're above the line because you're from LA. You live oh, you live in LA, you're that guy, you're above the line. And then I got to a point in my career where I could be where I wanted to be, so I moved here, moved back here. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm happy here, I'm better here. But over time, well now I'm a local hire again. Now I'm that Vancouver actor and all that LA clout I had. Well yeah,
0: they have to fill in a certain amount of Canadian content for those tax credits.
1: Right, but what we do in our industry that's really tricky is we also segregate provincially. So mm. it's not just a Canadian tax credit. It's like, if I work in Toronto, they don't get a tax credit for me. Uh, I, the series I was on was in Halifax. They didn't get a tax credit for me. You know, I had friends from here that I really wanted on the show that, that I was the lead of, but no tax credit. So that's the business thing. in the business wow. that oh, yeah. you were just talking about. Yeah, so the business of art is still a business. And the artists are the ones that inevitably kind of are. From the business of the business, but the business is important. Without the business, we don't work, right? So, trying to bridge that gap and find that line is tricky. Man. But then
0: it just reinforces the fact that you're a journeyman actor, and you're still working regularly. Acting is, is fantastic because a lot of actors they don't get these opportunities, and it's because of money and dollars, the business is. And I've seen it firsthand. It's very
1: cutthroat. Yeah, yeah, it can be. I really have worked really hard to be kind and uh, have a good reputation and. You know, I'm outspoken when I need to be. I certainly um, don't suffer fools, and I certainly stand up for certain situations. Um, Especially to Steven Seagal. <laughs> well, I can't, I'm not going to not say something. I <laughs> no, have to. I you totally have I'm to. This, It's just not in my nature. Totally. Like, and again, like I don't come from a group of artists. Like my mom was a singer and stuff, and she. But you know, she was a hairdresser. She worked at a bank and dad was a race car driver my His dad was a race car driver yeah and also you know he had a horrible drinking problem and then ended up not having a race career and my stepfather was a firefighter and a body mechanic like mm-hmm. i'm a blue collar kid through and through my family mm-hmm. owned a garage like i said and but i i'm an artist in my heart but i'm but i'm a blue collar kid in my life so i think that's given me a bit of a competitive edge because i i look at things from a completely different perspective than i think other artists do I noticed the longevity of a lot of art. I've
0: met a lot of actors too. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I've met a lot and I've also met a lot of artists in my broadcast career and I noticed the ones that generally have the longevity are the ones that are, are nice and they're honest and they're upfront, but they're not assholes about it. And I, I've met a lot of actors that are a flash in the pan who's like, this guy's a dick and then he's gone and now we seen another movie again and there's other actors who are still plugging away at working. I think one actor that really like, stands out to me was Aaron Eckhart. We were doing a film called Never Was, and he walked into this in the office, and he's like, hello. He, he purposely went to everybody. Hello, hello, how are you? Hello, hello. Like, didn't matter who you are. Aaron Eckhart introduced himself to everyone, and that's lasting power,
1: you it know? It goes a long way. I did a movie with Will Smith. I mean, he, I know topically right now, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but, but I will say, Will was very much like that, and we worked together before the movie. I wasn't even in the movie. What movie was it? iRobot. I, And he thought it would be funny. My credit is stunts on the movie. I didn't do stunts. I just spent three weeks... With Will, and Will's a very hard worker. So before all the other actors would show up to town, we would rehearse the scenes. We would put them on their put on their feet on the stage, and we'd sit around. We'd do a table read. with me, Will, Alex Proyas, the director, Akiva Goldsman, the writer. And Akiva had just won an Academy Award for A Beautiful Mind. It was a big deal. I was like, wow. It was like masterclass for me. And Will was so kind and so lovely to everybody, and knew somehow knew everybody by name, and was like, just such a such a sweet sweet man and I saw him once I was like man how do you do it like how do you have all that energy for everybody and he said I, look man it's like I was a millionaire and broke again at 21 it's like if that didn't humble me nothing would and that really stuck with me you know we were working once and another actor who I won't mention uh, anybody who knows me listening to this uh, knows what I'm talking about <laughs> had was shooting on the same lot and had come over and he was he's leaving. In a huff, and I said to Will, I was like, What's he doing here? What's going on? What's going on? He was laughing, and he's like, Oh, he's got trailer envy. He came over, he saw my trailer, and like mine or whatever. He didn't like his trailer, he wanted a better trailer. And I was like, Oh, that's why that's not funny. He goes, goes, Oh, no, what's funny is this is my small trailer. I'm renting this out to Vin Diesel next week. My big one's on its way up.
0: And I was like, what?
1: And what I found out was, I don't know if he still does it, but at the time, Will was having his own trailers built because his kids were young. He wanted them around him. He mm-hmm. wanted his family with him and he wanted them to feel comfortable. So he would build these like trailers that would all like extend and be like these little condos. Homes, so his yeah. kids felt at home. They could do their schooling, had a recording studio it had all these things in it, all the comforts at home. And he would pay for these to get built. And then he just rent them to production. So he had his own trailers and he would rent them. And it was really clever because he got the things he wanted. And then his kids had a place to hang out. Mm-hmm. So they weren't just bored on a film set because films can get really boring. And right. And he got to have his family around, and I thought, man, that's if you could do it,
2: why yeah, not? Why not?
1: That must have led to your
0: decision to stay in Vancouver, right? To make your base in Vancouver because you have kids here now, and they're young enough, and you
1: kind of want to be around, right? Yeah, and and honestly, like uh, 15 years in LA off and on, um, I like LA. I like LA a lot, and I have loads of my friends are there, and you know, LA is a place where you got to find your you got to find your people, you got to find your places, and it's it's okay, it's good. I just never felt like I was at home there and I always felt anxious. I just couldn't relax. Like every really? everything was busy. Just everything felt like there was a hustle, like mm-hmm. going to a coffee shop and there's writers and, and everybody's trying to get famous and everybody's looking to see if they if you're somebody and hi, who are you and what can you do for me? And it was just, it would get overwhelming for me because it's just, it's just not naturally who I am. But I, I did it. I, I love LA, a lot of appreciation for LA. And once I got to a point where I didn't necessarily need to be there, I was like okay, where are we going? And we came here.
0: So this is the third or fourth time that you brought up anxiety. So is this something that's been prevailing since you were a kid? Like you've always been struggling with anxiety? Yeah, my whole life, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. What, what are your steps to mitigate that? Because I, I have a highly anxious kid at home and yeah. she wants to get into acting and release them theater work, but she's always she always shuts down. So what, what do you do to help her sort of- I never talk
1: up? about this. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a first, my first really awful, debilitating panic attack in ninth grade. Um, I'd had them before. I just didn't know what they were. Ninth grade is when I recognized what they were. Listen, it's, it stems from, uh, I had an abusive childhood. There's probably that's got something to do with it. Well, my mother, is she had some anxiety issues. My, my teenager deals with it as well. I don't know. I, I, I haven't explored it enough. I know for me personally, I need to be creative. It's like I have to be, if I'm not acting, I'm, I'm playing music. I, I, build custom, I have opened a shop here to build custom motorcycles. And it's just a great outlet for me because I'm still creating. Right. I'm building badass one of a kind rolling art, functional Amazing. fast rolling art. It fills me up with so much joy. I mean, it's a business so that part is stressful, but bless well, we have partners. But that's my <laughs> partners. And my and my business partner is a, he's a he's a phenomenal human and one of my dear dear best friends. But uh to answer your question man, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I I I I just I think some days I just distract. You just try to find distractions. And or, or you need Jackie Chan to kick you in the ass with crutches. Yeah, or yeah.
3: something. Or banana bread from Stephen's. Or, <laughs> <and Gollum> <laughs> <laughs> or a nice beer from Backcountry.
1: Oh, like yes, Backcountry. we no, i okay right now. We yeah, have, have to think.
0: bring up our, our sponsor, Backcountry Brewing. Thank you very yeah, much I've, for the brews. With
1: the, uh,
0: I ain't got time to bleed.
2: Specifically for you. So Listen,
0: you brought up a couple points, Ryan,
3: that I wanted to touch on, a couple things I wanted to ask. You're a local guy. You're here. You're back in BC now. You're a pretty humble guy. When you look through that that archive that is your work, you've won some awards too as well. We just talked about the award season and you've been recognized by your peers here locally. Yeah. What's that like? Like for a humble, like you said, you're a pretty humble guy. Even right now, I can see you're smiling about it, but you don't really want to talk to it. But what
1: is that like? Because I want to say, what I want to say is... Awards are bullshit. Award shows are bullshit. It's all silly. It's all dumb. doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. But it does mean it does. <laughs> it, like feels it, good, right? <laughs> it feels good. Until you win and you're like, fuck yeah. yeah what about that? Exactly. Exactly. I would love to be that guy. Exactly. I'd love to say to you, like, ah, it's stupid. They're stupid. I don't care. Every single one meant the world to me.
2: Oh, that's amazing.
1: It never, like, it's not like, oh, another one of these. I don't think any will feel as good as the first award I ever won for being an actor. But it all meant so much. Like, because you're right, it's your peers. And your peers are paying attention, and it's them being like, hey, man, yeah, well done. Nice, nice work. Yeah. And it is an excuse for us to celebrate one another. And in a town that's so, so such a reputation, like I said, for being a service town, a lot of people lose sight of the talent here. We've well, so that's what we're trying talent. to bring on here we're trying to you know showcase the talent we have here yeah and I Hollywood think Hollywood North right yeah. yeah but that's and I think that's that's fantastic and it again like it matters like this this having these conversations means something to me it's why I'm here it's not the cool answer but it, it's fucking awesome I picked that out and I look at that and I'm like you know he's a local guy some people
3: out there might be like, what's a Leo? Yeah. But a Leo is—it's like your Oscars, but for here in BC, yeah, right. That kind of almost to me would mean more because it's the people you're here with, you converse with, that you interact with, that you collaborate with on a daily, and you yeah. care about. Them. So, so
1: yeah,
0: they deep exactly down you know, know that they in fact like you because you yeah. <laughs> talk yeah, to them so all the huge. time.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because you think like, oh, just be cool, make the speech, be cool, be cool. And I get up there every time I'm like emotional. I'm like, don't forget to thank your wife. Real, it's more. good. Like, like I'm money. Maybe I'm two months ago my cat knocked over one of my Leos and broke it Oh. I was I'm still devastated my wife's like oh just call the Leo see if you can get another one I was one. about to say that why don't you just give him a call him another like, I can't I can't I'm sure you're not the first to... one to ask for a replacement <laughs> so it was like it was one that really meant something to me it was uh. one I won for a film that I produced based on a script that my my partner at the time that I was working with a lot my filmmaking partner we had written and it was it was a, a real story about a real criminal that we knew growing up um from the stopwatch Gangs guy Patty Mitchell and Patty had just died he died in prison right after we made the movie he never got to see the movie and it was a big deal movie wow. like and I won the leading actor in a feature film and it was like that one that one meant That's the huge. film's called Maryland and that one meant the world to me and my like, cat Fucking broke it.
2: Oh, my God. Get your wife to call. I God you damn no. a... cat. Right? Like you don't... Stupid
1: cat. Hey, well, He's got no he hair. Hey, shame.
2: <laughs>
0: so the hairless cats are the evil Yeah,
1: he, he looks like Satan. His name's Lex Luthor because obviously. Oh, my God. He's got two different colored eyes. Like, I wanted to name him Bowie because I'm a big Bowie fan. And my wife wanted to name him David because she likes that. She thinks it's funny. But our, <laughs> our next door neighbor, who's a very good friend of ours, is named David. David and he's bald and I just like I'm not gonna be yell, I'm not gonna be naming our David. bald cat David oh my
2: god and so
1: I was like Lex Luthor is appropriate she's like yes that's good oh, Lex that's so fun. I also have an English bulldog named Ron Swanson so that tells you what kind I of I love
2: it because Ron oh Swanson god. is
1: my spirit animal I ate a meat buffet before I came here so I'm surprised I'm not in a coma heck <laughs>
2: so I have a question so you have you have a bike shop yeah. in town in Swamish? Yeah. what's it called
1: Harbinger Customs
2: and where is that located
1: it's where uh, the, everything's gone around us now. The Ninja Gym used to be there. Oh, yeah. Right okay. on the corner. Yeah, North Yard Cidery yeah, used yeah. to be there, uh, which is now Galileo Coffee. Which You were straight up allowed to go shameless plug and plug.
2: Yeah, so I want to know more about this bike shop. Okay, shop. so Come tell on. me about... Give us a little bit. Okay, so you custom builds?
1: Yeah, we do custom builds. We do restorations on bikes. We do uh, repairs. And um, we work on cars, too, because we have, we can. And my business partner, is uh, he's a mad genius. He's a phenomenal mechanic. And Very cool. Welder and fabricator. During the pandemic, I think eight shops, eight bike shops went under. We were one of the only ones who survived, which was really tricky we've been super busy and it's been fantastic and then we're right now we're gearing up for speaking of uh anxiety and mental health we're gearing up for the distinguished gentleman's ride which is it's an international event to raise uh, raise awareness for men's health and men's mental health um and it's for men and women for all families and basically you just get groups in cities and towns you get on motorcycles you go for a ride you rep the dgr the distinguished gentleman's And we just have a little celebration. This is the first time we've been able to do it in a couple years. So, May 22nd, yeah, we're going to have a little event at the shop. Cool. We're going to partner with Galileo Coffee, so we'll caffeinate before we go. And then we'll drink beer after. We'll just have a little apres ride. At the shop and pretty close um, to
2: backcountry there.
1: And yeah, we're gonna have a, and we've got our showroom has like a stage on it. When we're not have, showing bikes on the stage, we've got guitars and amps and wow, we're all musical. So we'll just set up and play live music and
2: it's like your man Chad, too. Then yeah,
1: I was gonna maybe give uh, Will Ross a shout if you're available, Will. Because uh, <laughs> I think Will Will Ross is phenomenal. He's like one of our local talents that I think is just exceptional, but. I haven't talked to Will yet, but I'd love to get Will to come out and you know, you know, I'll pay you, Will. I'm a big fan, Will. I follow you on Instagram. We and we we have uh we film a lot of stuff at our shop too because we've got a, a drone guy and because we I know we know all the people in camera in the film industry, yeah. so yeah, we do a lot of uh, up. Yeah, we hear you telling stuff. me you don't know anything about social media. Come on now, the only reason I'm verified on social media is because I did a TV series for Facebook Watch when that was a thing. I don't know, maybe it's still a thing. It was a great show too. It was called Sacred Lies. It was phenomenal. And I had, and because Facebook owns Instagram, we had a meeting with Instagram, and Instagram said to me, You are terrible at this. <laughs> and I said, I am, <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh my God. they sent me a 36 page document. On how to Instagram.
2: Can you send that to me?
1: Yeah, I need that too. I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible. Literally, the that's Instagram. my job.
2: Send I, that to me. I need I'm, to know. I'm
1: stuck I never on read it. I don't know. <laughs> oh
2: my god. I, listen. <laughs> that's what we need to know for and
1: I, junk folder. Thank you very much. I'm and not gonna and delete. I lean on my uh, my teenager a lot to be like, uh, what do I do here? How do I do Because she's always like
2: Yeah, especially if she's yeah. an influencer. She's
1: know? like, your aesthetic is awful. I was like, I don't even know what you what that means. That's it. Dad, have you even directed movies? Come yeah. on. She's like, You gotta delete these ones and add this and you gotta do the thing and it's gotta look nice on
2: the grid and yeah, mean, listen to your daughter for sure. I try.
1: I know we joked about like taking over each other's Instagram. Oh my god. She's like, I don't want I don't wanna lose that many followers. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, pal. Appreciate that.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure you would change the material that she
1: has on there a little bit. That but... yeah, it would be me in her pants. and It would be my butt everywhere.
2: That's yeah. what it would be. Yeah.
1: Her her Instagram would just be my yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> just Ryan, we're gonna have to get your daughter on here. Yeah, I mean, let's get your daughter you on wants, here. So we're gonna have to get her on here. Yeah, she should have thing or some two. stories for I'm sure. not telling you what her Instagram is. No, uh, no, I don't yeah. need, I don't I'm need people. I'm gonna look it up. She'll always be my little girl. I don't care how old she is. Of course, of course. I had her young, you know, and she's like, she means world to me that kid you know I'm pretty pretty confident she saved my life i'm that sure she's kid. pretty badass too yeah she's wicked yeah she's and wicked. kids do that right my kids are great man i'm so lucky. and then there's man. nothing nothing better than just ripping on your kids too it's best right and my kids both have great senses of humor and they can dish it man like my seven-year-old like she's 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 like this They, i'll say something she would be like how very dare you
2: <laughs> How very dare
1: you? Very dare you. For and then, real life, Dad. For real life. Yes. And then she'll I'm like what? you'll you'll do I'll do something stupid, and she'll she'll like golf clap and go, well done, well <laughs> done. Like you, sarcastic little shit. So listen, you know, I love it.
3: I'd be remiss, and I I can't not let Ryan Robbins leave this place without speaking about Snowpiercer. Huh? Oh man! Okay, I really I'm not and my that mark is tell apparently apparently
0: Snowpiercer is huge in his house. This just not me. It's I'm huge. not the guy.
3: You know, great. This is I, awesome. I, I'm
0: committed to the series. I think it's okay, but I'm committed, so I keep watching. He bought committed and I, and watch, I do like done. Jennifer Connelly. She's always been a favorite. She's so,
1: amazing. Yes, uh, I, I listen. I honestly, I'm being honest. i do not much to tell. I did the original pilot. Uh, I didn't come back. But I will tell you uh, that those are some of the finest, coolest people I've ever worked with. David Diggs is God. He's just he's he's a great, sweetheart. And he is so kind and hu- talk about humble. He was so forgiving that I, I was like the only person who hadn't seen Hamilton. Apparently, and he was like, Grit. "No, I'm with you." I'm, but that's I'm the right sign of a, again. <laughs> that's the that's
0: sign of an actor who'll have longevity because he's he
1: doesn't care. There's the ego's not there. It's like, well, yeah. I'm David. Here I am. Hello. How are you? Welcome to the show. And also, just relishing all these opportunities that have come since Hamilton and taking nothing for granted. Those are my favorite people, the people in this business that don't take it for granted. You know, there's a lot of people that do. I, I've worked on those shows where you're watching people really take mm-hmm. it for granted and, and forgetting how badly they wanted this, forgetting how much they were willing to sacrifice to get here. And now you're here and all you're doing is complaining about it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, that just doesn't compute for me.
3: Has it ever turned into work for you? I see it in you. You have a passion for it still. Like yeah. obviously to today. But was there ever a time, like we talk about where you at buds, where it kind of was starting to feel like it?
1: God, you no one has ever asked me that question. It's a great question. And yes, for sure. There have been times where it's just like, Okay, just just shut up and collect a paycheck. And I, I hate that. I hate that. I don't wanna be I have a friend that says it's like ah, oh, we're just furniture. We're just furniture. We're just here. We, we're familiar. We're just here. And I, I don't,
2: you don't want to be like I love that.
1: them to death, but I, I, that's just not, I don't think I'm ever going to feel that way. Like I always want to participate and I always want to do something interesting and I always want to add. And I love storytelling, but yeah, sometimes man, you get on, there's just sometimes, especially when you're on a series and you're not the lead, you got to facilitate, you just got to move a story along. And so it's exposition. When you want to deliver art, it can be a little soul-sucking. Yeah, it's so, yes. Yeah,
0: you could you could fall into pitfalls, you know, from what I understand from the difference between TV and film is that TV people are usually in the same actor or character over and over and over again to the point where the directors, when they come in, they don't really direct anything. They're like, all right, we're going to shoot here. Now go see your lines mm-hmm. because you should know the character best. Yeah. But then it just seems like if you're just saying the same things over and over again, like how many times do you think like David Caruso and in in, uh, CSI Miami, we flipped the glasses off with the one-liners. How many times you went, oh, that was just shit. But
3: okay, <laughs> here we go. I'm getting paid. The reason I ask it, Ryan, is
0: because we
3: have had prior guests on who have been in the acting or been in the music field and they're, they said exactly that we got there. We thought it was going to be this. It turned into something totally different. Yeah. So the way you talk about it is start differently. Like you, you talk about the people and, and the connections that you make, right? And I think that's kind of one of the things that's kind
1: of a little bit different about you too as well. I, I constantly need to check in with myself and remind myself how grateful I am that I get to do what I do. I've worked some shit jobs. I used to pack drywall for a living. And one of my favorite sayings is, "You know, my, my worst day on a film set is a million times better than my best day packing drywall. Mm-hmm. I did a show once where... They left me handcuffed to a bed covered in flies, real flies. Oh. And they said, we're just going to swap a lens and move on. And swapping a lens and moving on is about three minutes. And they left. They left the stage. They left. I can't see because I've got flies. What? What? trying to crawl into my eyeballs they're in my ears they're up my nose and I'm shackled spread eagle on a bed oh
2: my god
0: that seems to be a thing that happens to you in movies a lot yeah. you've shackled up yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm shackled a lot on a bed. and I'm and I'm covered in like because I'm supposed to look like I've been slashed so I'm covered in corn syrup to look like blood and and these flies are eating it oh. and they're all over me and I'm like what's going, what's going on and I can't see I can't hear what's going on And then finally, you know, rest his soul, this amazing, amazing special effects makeup artist named Bill Terazakis, who I've worked with countless times, he comes over and he just starts sweeping these flies off my face. I'm like, Bill, what's going on? It's like, I don't know where everybody went. I don't know where they went. What? They had gone to shoot a completely different scene and left me shackled to a bed covered, covered in flies for 90 minutes. Ninety minutes. And uh Fear Factor ain't got oh, shit on you. Oh my god. Yeah. It was it was awful. So finally Bill ran to get the props guy to unshackle me to whatever. And I'm like, and I'm living and I and I get up and the fly Wrangler, which is a real guy, it's his job. They keep the flies cold so they don't fly away. They're cold enough to live, but too cold to fly, mm-hmm. I guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was honestly the yogurt containers full of flies. Oh all my god. And yeah, and then they come back and to his credit, the director was like, oh my God, what? I, I didn't know. I didn't, it wasn't his fault. He didn't know. But that's the other thing I think of a lot in this business. When I'm having a bad day, I say to myself, there's no flies on me. Yeah. There's no flies on me. Today, there's no flies on me. Yeah, but you
2: want to talk anxiety? You. Like, that is insane. It was
1: awful. It was awful. To this day, if a bee flies by my ear, like, it just Oh
2: my God. It's, like, it's 90 Fear minutes?
1: Factor got nothing on this oh. See, Fear Factor,
2: I feel like I could I think I you can kill it I could do all of
1: Fear Factor yeah. except the eating things yeah the
2: eating stuff is gross <laughs> I, like, I can do
3: the eating things
1: yeah
2: we'd,
3: oh, we'd, oh, be, a good, no, we'd like, be a good team I, I always yeah. thought I could do the eating things yeah. and then I saw some of the stuff that they
2: made yeah. people eat and there was I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll try, yeah. no try way anything Brons. testily rhino well, testes oh, <laughs> yeah
1: maybe not <laughs> <laughs> hey Marcus remember how we were talking about like a nice easy short Podcast and I told you I would ramble. Man, That's I get fine. talking.
0: You mentioned like you're still waiting for that, the superhero role, the specific character oh, you're gunning for. Always DC, make up your
2: own Marvel,
1: please. I'm definitely a, I'm a Marvel guy. Oh my god, Moon Knight! Holy crap, that show is so good! So it's been taken, but Wolverine, I think, is the obvious choice. I think he's always built for it. I'm Wolverine shouldn't be 6'3. I love you, Hugh Jackman. Uh, but you were you know, he you were great and you fought for the bub. I know because bub wasn't written on the script and he had some bubs and so I appreciated that the only world in which Wolverine comes my way is if they do uh, an X-Men series set in Xavier's school and Wolverine is there and a teacher and he's older Uh, maybe that's my chance there you go
0: the reason why we're asking because he'll he'll be the first to admit that when Jamie Horthwessels came onto this show she no one would give her a fight she did this show she got a title fight
2: champion exactly. she's
0: a champion a lot of people come onto the show and then reach you know their pinnacle that yeah. they've wanted to reach and we we take full credit full
2: for, credit for, for some reason, reason for 100% yeah. this so, like,
0: I mean, really. this is
1: why it's like you You're, want
0: that marvel what do you thing? Want. yeah star. what else do you, want, you that want marvel thing <laughs> this is this is your chance <laughs> anything to else I, for that marvel I thing.
1: have my good friend Aaron Harrison who built uh, a lot of the hero costumes for the DC universe for arrow and that the, the hero costumes in the armor and he's a phenomenal designer built me a wolverine costume i have the helmet i have the everything and it's the old school uh sort of like black blue and yellow because you know that's where I was going to go next.
3: How many Halloweens is it like? A, is it like a biannual thing where you go? Only done it once. Has Wolverine? I've only done it once.
1: <laughs> done it once. Uh, there are a lot of other characters. One in public, or uh, we one in public. You, yeah. Okay. My guy growing up was Spider Man. I was a big X Men fan. I just loved comic books growing up. You know, I was an only child and felt like those misfits and those those weirdos spoke to me. You know, those outsiders and they were allowed to be smart and they were allowed to be cool. They were allowed mm-hmm. to be badass. And the alter ego thing, you know, I loved it. Same thing, only child. Lots of comics. There are some DC characters that are untapped. DC seems to be. I want to see DC uh, have a sense of humor, um, a bit more, and they're leaning that way now. When uh, James Gunn came on board and did the Suicide Squad, and look, let's be honest, uh, Peacemaker was phenomenal. No, that was hilarious. Peacemaker was great, and Peacemaker did a, the the best. It's such a great Riverdale shout out in that one episode I don't know if you guys watched Peacemaker but there's this bit where John Cena does this amazing rant about all the people this guy could have named instead of his father and he's like naming off all these people and then he ends the rant with are any one of those cunts from Riverdale and we were all like, we're canon. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, we made the big time. <laughs> satire. Satire is the best form of flattery. Like, yeah. you know, and the fact that they, they put that in there, like, That's I absolutely. thought was amazing. So I was funny. like, what? you're canon now. There you go. I love the biographies of like the DC Marvel creators and how they kind of borrowed from one another and... Also helped one another, and you know, one of the best parts about being in the sci-fi world was going to do the conventions and getting to hang out with Stanley and Patrick Stewart and all those guys. Like he was Patrick a, Stewart, he's right? Best. He's the best. I've have
0: yeah. ne- never met Patrick Stewart, but I've met his best friend Sir Ian McKellen, oh. and the, the stories they have of each other actually, it's, it's it's amazing. They have such a great bromance between the two of them. It's one hilarious. of the greatest
1: love affairs uh, ever. <laughs> yeah, those two. It's amazing. It's amazing. Patrick Stewart. We, we, I think we were in Australia, we were in Australia, and it was like, you know, I was there, Momoa was there, Patrick Stewart, Stan Lee, a bunch of cool people, it was super fun, it was a great time, and uh, Patrick had a migraine, and he's a lovely man, but he was powering through, not feeling well, and he had asked for an orange soda, he asked for an orange pop, I'd love an orange pop, please, we'll get you one, we'll get you one, and time goes, time goes, he hasn't got his orange pop, and he's like, I asked for an orange pop an hour ago, I haven't got my orange pop, where's my orange pop? Oh, sorry, we can't find uh, orange soda anywhere. We're looking, we can't find it anywhere. He's like, I mean, how hard is it to, we're in Australia, for God's sake. How hard is it to find a bloody orange pop? I just want, I'm not asking for anything about an orange pop. I just want an orange pop. How can this be so difficult? And he's not being mean. hes this, He's got a legitimate beef because we've seen a lot of orange pops floating around. <laughs> and it kind of goes on. And then out of nowhere, we see Stan Lee walk into the green room holding an orange pop. <laughs> And he takes a sip, sits down on the couch, puts the orange pop on the coffee table, and abruptly has a nap. And we're all dead quiet watching this happen, like, as if it's in slow motion. And then you just see all these heads turn to Patrick, who just goes, Well, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> And he's gone. And it was my fa- one of my favorite all time so, moments. But he wasn't like they were, he wasn't what? bragging no. him whatsoever. No, he wasn't mean. It was
3: he was just like no. He was just, like, was just
1: it just legit happened at the same time. The, the lunacy is, of the situation was not lost on anybody, especially Patrick, because he's a lovely man and. He he handled it with such grace, and it's it was hilarious because what what the hell? I would do that on purpose. Never yes, he yeah. would. do on purpose. Would. The fact that it was Stan Lee it was perfect. Like if it had it been anybody else, it wouldn't have been as funny. But Stan is. Well, Stan was also an incredible man. He was he was such an. I got to uh, hang out with Stan on multiple occasions and he was always the, the, he was the light of the room and everybody loved him and he was kind and considerate and had made time for everybody. And, well, as a comic book fan, that must've been huge for you. Oh my God. It was insane. It was crazy just to be in his presence. I asked him to uh, sign my guitar and he said, uh, he said, I'm not, I, don't want, I don't want to deface your guitar with my signature. You don't want me to ruin it. And I was like, I do. I really do. And he's like, not doing it, kid. And he wouldn't sign it. And I was like,
2: God damn it. Like, he didn't sign anything else.
1: But he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't want to sign my guitar because he thought, he'd, he, he'd ah, you could sign some nice guitar. You don't want my money. <laughs> he's he's like, like, no, I do. So humble. It was so great.
3: Yeah. This has been very humbling to sit here and listen to such a humble guy like yourself. Uh, someone who's passionate about what he does. Truly loves what he does with a guy with a resume that's that's a novel and a half. Keep killing it out there. Keep doing what you're doing. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Telling ordinary people's extraordinary stories. We want to thank you for coming on. Where you at, buds? I podcast. really appreciate
1: yeah, thank it. Thank you. And one one day we'll talk sports because uh, if you want to talk hockey and fights, I'm your guy.
0: Where you at, buds? Is produced by Evelyn Schellenberg and Stephen Fryer. Marcus Monopoly is our executive producer and edits the show. Theme music, Wannabes by Dirtbag Republic. Our voice guy is Matt Grant. Where You At Buds is an Anubis Media production. Thanks for listening, and let us know where you at, Buds. Follow us on our socials. Links are in the show notes. And please subscribe.